And it gives you that connection, that thing that we've both been through something terrible. But if I can share it, you can share it. And if I can get through it, you can get through it. And I guess the ability to have that safe place to share the stories and feel supported from each other, because when the women are sharing their stories and writing to us, they've also told us there is something so powerful and healing in actually just writing their story down, which they've never done before. On the podcast today, we are talking to Devika Woods, the co-founder of I Am Arla. And we're going to have a conversation all about domestic abuse, which unfortunately happens to one in two women at some point in their lives. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, interviewing industry leaders and founders and sharing a bit of technology news. Joining me today, Jack Pierce, back on Tech Talks. How are you? Hello. Yes, very good. Very good. As we as we were talking about just before we hit record, the weather is superb at the moment, so that helps keep the spirits high. Absolutely. I, uh, you're going to laugh at this. I've bought some roller skates. Not inline I'm skates. I'm going to laugh at that. <laughs> Wait, what? Blades or skates? No, no, not inline. Skates. Oh, dear. Like the four-wheel ones with the brakes. Yeah, no, the... the, the well, how, how can I put this nicely? The nerdier ones of the two? Like These are not, these are not nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do? Go down Roller World in Colchester, Dave? Uh, no, the big no. I've seen a lot of people roller skating, rollerblading. Uh, I've, mm. and there's even one guy who I regularly see in Richmond Park who does like cross-country roller skiing. Oof. He's got these these like things that are ski-shaped with the poles as well. So he does like proper, I can't remember what the event's called, but proper cross-country. I don't know why I'm doing the arm movements whilst we're on an audio podcast, <laughs> but I am. Uh, yeah, and he does he does cross-country skiing, uh, but on, on, on rollers across the park, which is kind of cool. Um, so I just thought I'd get in on the action. I'd hustle How in. How much is a, pair, a good pair of roller skates? Too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How much do you think you should pay for roller skates? I reckon if you're paying upwards of £75, they've seen you coming. <laughs> I paid over 100 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose I don't. I really don't know. But all right, well, you know, just bringing the nineties back, one piece of memorabilia at a time. What's next? The Walkman? Uh, why not? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll stick um I'll stick some photos of them on our feed after the show after we've recorded. And no, no, it'll not make any sense to anyone initially. But then <laughs> I'll, I'll show you what I've got. Anyway, uh, getting to more serious things. Today's conversation, no, no, um, no link here really, because it is a very serious topic that we're, we're mm. going to talk about today: um, domestic abuse. Um, with I am Arla co-founder Devika Wood. Um, nothing really to say in advance of the interview. Do listen to it. Devika makes some mind-blowing uh, admiss- uh, admissions, really, around the statistics, mm. and it's frankly. Uh, horrifying that I wasn't more aware of it beforehand. So have a listen to the interview and then myself and Jack will discuss this afterwards. So today I'm talking to Devika and I'll get that right because uh, at a at an event a couple of months ago, I got your name wrong twice on stage. So I really appreciate you coming and speaking to me on the podcast. Yeah, that was a good moment when your host literally uh, cannot get your name right. Felt I felt just like I wasn't important. Look, if anyone listens to this regularly, they'll know I screw up names all the time. It's just, it's kind of beyond embarrassing. It's just 
something. It's a quirk. Here you are, David. Here you are. The bad thing was you actually corrected me and then about 10 minutes later I made the same mistake. So anyway, <laughs> thank you for coming and talking to us. You're welcome. We're glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to talk about I Am Arla, which um, is... What's the best way to, to, to describe I Am Arla? Is it a campaign, a project, a not-for-profit? How, how would you phrase it? So at the moment, it's my project and my co-founder's project. We are, it's a project to build a community of women. So we're on a kind of a mission to build a community of women who've experienced abuse, trauma and discrimination. Mm. Um, at the moment, it is a community because that's where we've kind of enabled it to go. Um but there are so many exciting things in the kind of pipeline and what we're hoping to do with it that I think will just it kind of is a natural progression into something bigger than what we've started. Mm. So let's talk about what it is, because whilst you mentioned there very, very briefly, um, you've launched this this mid pandemic. So it's brand new. Um, and a lot of people won't have heard of I Am Arla at this point of time. So what what are you and your co-founder trying to, to achieve? So I think the one thing that we're trying to achieve is a community of women to come together and kind of tap into um, resources and facilitate conversations between women who've experienced abuse, trauma or discrimination. Um, I think a story between Laura and I, essentially, we are old friends from 13 years ago. Um, We both experienced abusive partners and they turned out to be friends, um, quite shockingly. And um, we sort of came together and started talking about our stories and our experience and what we realized by talking to each other was there was something so powerful and therapeutic and healing in sharing what we had been through um and it kind of naturally progressed into a sense of okay well if we feel comfortable sharing a story with each other and it helps us um to feel stronger and we're sharing tips about how we're coping with the trauma and how we're kind of getting to that next step of thriving why can't we do this on a bigger scale um and then it just sort of naturally went through during the time of covid we were seeing these shocking kind of rises in statistics of you know 170 increase in in calls to domestic helplines domestic abuse helplines and refuge and we thought okay this is a massive thing and at the end of this there's going to be a lot of women who have experienced some sort of trauma so why can't we make this into something so that's where it went um and it's a platform for them to connect with each other. So at the moment, women are sharing their stories, powerful stories, all the way from women who've experienced rape, sexual harassment, domestic abuse. And they're just learning from other like-minded women. They feel safe. They feel proud. They're tapping into resources and tools and people to help them to get where they want to be. So life coaches, mindfulness teachers, um, healing, wellness, well-being coaches. Um, and I guess the bottom line is that... I guess we all could use a friend in the hardest of times, especially someone who knows exactly what you're going through. And I think that's what we've tried to create with Aymala. You say they're 168% increase. Sometimes those stats on their own can be a bit meaningless because you kind of go, yeah, well, 168 from what? One to 168 or 100 to, you know, it's difficult to kind of gauge exactly what we're talking about. But I think you mentioned, and and let me make sure that I get this right, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it one in two women have, have experienced some form of abuse? Yeah, so one in two women in their lifetime will experience a form of abuse, trauma or discrimination. So that equates to around 1.5 billion people around the world, which is mind blowing stuff. So you've now got 1500 members of this community. Look, what I do find interesting is you said there that you, you 
spoke to your co-founder because you were friends. And this is not an easy subject to talk about. So I suppose I'd be interested to know how you help those people who are joining the community break down those those barriers and create those bonds, I suppose, that allow you to be open and to share and to talk to get to the point where you can begin to, I, I suppose, have the benefits of being in this community or, or, or replicating that kind of, kind of level of friendship that allows you to have that kind of experience that, that helps two people work through something like this. Yeah, so I think what we're doing that's kind of very different to what normally exists. I mean, I'm not taking away from the incredible nature and, you know, support that Women's Aid and Refuge and Solus, all these incredible charities provide. But I think what we're doing is we're giving a a lack of formality and a sort of face to other people that have experienced it. So it started with myself and Laura sharing our story, which is highly intimate, very vulnerable, very scary. And we're sort of opening ourselves up into like the world of the internet and the world to know something that's quite personal that we went through. Mm. But I think just by the nature of sharing, it, it allows these other women to basically feel safe to be able to also share their story. And it gives you that connection, that thing that we've both been through something terrible but if I can share it, you can share it. And if I can get through it, you can get through it. And I guess the ability to have that safe place to share the stories and feel supported from each other, because when the women are sharing their stories and writing to us, they've also told us there is something so powerful and healing in actually just writing their story down, which they've never done before. Um, and then sharing it with us, they say it was this feeling of feeling free and like this weight lifted off their shoulder that they're able to kind of just be proud and not shy away and feel embarrassed about what they've been through. And I think we give that support and the other women in the community give the support to each other. And that's what we're trying to aim to get to this kind of massive community of women just empowering each other. But I think the facilitating bit that we put to is, which I think is really important, is we don't just have the stories there. We also connect them to experts and resources to support their journey. Um whether it's that all-round life coaching or navigating a blockage in their career or relearning about healthy relationships, all these women are connecting on one similar pain point, which is what they've encountered and then trying to find a solution to overcome it together. And, and something that you said that I found, you know, really, really very genuine. When we were preparing for this interview, you were talking about Shauna Gallion or Gallon. Yeah, Shauna Gallon. Right? Yeah, uh, and you were talking about your own misconception about her, and actually how how impactful her story had been, and what an impression it had made. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there is a a stereotype and a taboo around who experiences abuse, discrimination, or trauma in women. I think we have this image in our mind of a certain stereotype that is pervasive in, in all societies, to be honest. Um, but it's just not true because if it happens to one in two women, it happens to such a wide variety of women. And I think with her story, something that was so powerful about it was the fact that she's an influencer. So she is very famous on Instagram. She has 250,000 followers. She has a prime platform of young girls following her. Sadly, when we've been posting stories and people that have been engaging with us on Instagram through the, the platform, we've seen a large number of 13 to 17 year old girls engaging with our posts, which is in itself mind blowing. Mm. So 
her using her platform as an influencer where her life is seen as perfection, which she even pointed out in her interview, which is, you know, you see this perfect life, but behind it, I was in this highly abusive, violent relationship where I was scared for my life. She's automatically broken down those barriers of those stereotypes and is going to allow these young girls to look at her and think, okay, she's gone through it. I've gone through it. I can relate to her. And also I'm going to open up about it because it's nothing to be ashamed of. And in fact, it will help me. Um, She's actually now gone on to press charges to the police, which is just incredible through my co-founder sharing what she went through and sort of supporting her to do it. So it's amazing. And the other thing that I found absolutely, I mean, mind blowing really, was that you were talking about uh, a conversation with the chairman of the Katie Piper Foundation. Mm. And, and she's someone that immediately when you think of Katie Piper, uh, and I, I thought, that she was incredibly brave when she was on Strictly because it can't be easy for her to be on something that's so showy given, I suppose, how conscious she must be of the fact that she's she's suffered an acid attack. And that's what you see and that's what you think about. And yet, actually, she'd suffered abuse herself um, when she was younger uh, and in part of that relationship that led to the acid attack, right? And that's probably the thing that she struggles with the most and again it's it's a story that's not shared and that's that's the common thread right there there are these stories there are these women that like shauna she's perfect and you don't expect her to have that story like katie piper she's had an acid she's an acid attack victim and it isn't isn't that awful and yet they've all got this common thread and it's not being spoken about yeah so i think the one thing that really blew my mind and i guess we don't focus on and this is something that I think is, again, a serious issue with our society that if you don't see the scar, it's not there. It doesn't exist. And that's where the whole mental health issues start to really get defined. But I mean, Katie Piper was the victim of rape and then an acid attack in 2008 and then has rebuilt her life. She's rebuilt her life, you know, based on the scars and super powerful and empowered, like incredible role model. I think an inspiration for all of us to kind of look at her tenacity and resilience. Um, but the sad state of affairs is that a lot of abuse and trauma and discrimination, you don't see the outward scars. Therefore, like you said, you see this perfection and you don't know what's going on behind. But the trauma of those scars last a lifetime. Um, the mental health impact on these women from the trauma is so significant ranging from PTSD to anxiety to high suicide rates to lack of career progression because they are just not able to have that self-confidence and self-worth to push themselves forward. And the scariest part is, is that once you've been abused or you've been you know, sexually harassed or you've been raped, you tend to then go into a cycle of experiencing it over and over again in different manners of abuse. And that's where you start to see real impact on our society as a whole. And that's where we really need to start sitting up and taking real impactful measures to try and support women who've experienced it, which is one in two. A lot. And you've, men- you've mentioned there that you've got, you know, a, a number of resources in terms of experts that your community can tap into. And that seems to be something that in, in the current structures and resources available, that that after support piece isn't as prevalent is that is that correct? That that's something slightly new for women out there that they can go and get that continued after support that I suppose would help mitigate some of those potential damages in career and life going forward. Yeah. So I think that the biggest thing is like, yeah, it's the after aftercare. So often what happens when you've 
presented as having been through abuse or suffered abuse or rape or sexual harassment, you obviously contact the myriad amounts of charities out there. You go to your GP, you do go to seek help in that immediate instance because you have to be proactively looking after yourself. However, what happens after that is, I mean, for my story, and this doesn't happen to everyone, but it is a common instance, is that you get told you can go on antidepressants because you have mental health issues and you're feeling suicidal, which is often the aftermath of experiencing abuse. You then get told that you should go see a therapist so you can either go privately and pay an extortionate amount of money, which not everyone can afford, or you get put on a wait list within the NHS and you see a public funded therapist. And that's fine, but that's not the only options to support yourself. And there are lots of other tools out there. And you've seen a lot of women have have tapped into life coaches, mindfulness. They've tapped into fitness and turned to fitness as a way to support themselves. They've turned to communities. And I think it's just about augmenting the services that exist with a wider variety of holistic measures to help these women to become the best version themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's what we're trying to do, which doesn't exist currently. So look, you've just turning back to the community itself and and i suppose uh the mechanics of starting a community and a, and a project at this current time you've had to start it online because well we're all sat in our back gardens or our living rooms um what, what are the plans going forward though because i i you know i i know that you have um desires for this to be an offline community at the same same time so i suppose how how have, how have the current circumstances affected the way that you kind of see this evolving yeah i think it's, it's um so in a really, really horribly twisted, weird way, um, it's worked out really well for us to create this online community. And I just think it's shown the power of the online world and the digital community. It's just incredible. I mean, you can do things that were never seen as very much obvious or capable of doing. And it's just kind of we've been pivoted and pushed into this realm of having to do things online. Um We are in a stage now where we want to go offline because it's a very personal thing we've created. We want to try and meet the members. We want to try and help them really hands on and create that small feeling of a sisterhood or a friendship group. Um, And we are trying to look towards doing the workshops together and the community groups and like the kind of we're calling them collective. So small groups of women coming together, similar models to what the AA has, um, Mm. but for women to come together and have these kind of group-led therapy sessions as a friendship group um, all the way through to retreats to get women to go together and work on personal development, self-development, career development. Um, So there is a big push to go offline, but we couldn't have gone offline if we hadn't started it online. And I think it's it's nice. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. And I think it's taken away that facade of women have still got that ability to connect with each other through the online platform and it will always be there and it's just a nice thing for them to be able to tap into as and when they need it yeah look what you're doing is obviously hugely important um with the amount of people who've who've suffered look all power to you it's absolutely amazing uh fingers crossed it continues to grow and thank you for giving up some time to to chat today thanks david so look uh, how Oh, is it just me? Were you shocked by the the level of abuse that goes on in society? Am I being naive? Um, no, I I have to agree and be honest. I the, the one in two uh, figure was uh, a real eye opener for me, uh, and shocking. Um, I mean, look, we 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 all know that this stuff like this unfortunately happens behind closed doors, uh, and you know we are all 
aware that it's been heightened ever since you know lockdown and covid has has come around and um the the rise in domestic abuse and stuff like that due to covid i don't think is as surprising um but you know that doesn't make it any it doesn't make it any harder any easier to swallow that you know um oh. it's it, yeah it was alarming and, and what well, is alarming i mean if i'm being really critical of myself mm. The stats that, that that we're talking about here means that it's happened to a lot of people that I know. It's happened to immediate family or will happen to immediate family mm. if it hasn't already, if those stats are right. And there's no mm. reason to suggest they're not. And yet, in my mind, it's always been something that happens to other people. Um, sure. And that's wrong because when we kind of do that, we don't worry about it and we push it to the extremes of... Mm our lives and we ignore it and i think that maybe this is tied into stuff that we've talked about previously like um and this is not toxic masculinity and and whatnot right you know but we 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 overlook the fact that women are not designed for in tech we know that through having had guests like lv on the show we don't think about the struggles that women have necessarily getting into STEM careers, et cetera, et cetera, because we're men and it's not something that we necessarily think about. And then here's another example of something that, because it's a little bit outside of our norm, we Mm. don't think about. And also, you know, maybe the whole male thing, masculine thing, we don't talk about mental health because whilst, again, we think it happens to other people and we don't want it to be, us to be perceived as being weak or happening to us. And there is this whole thing where, you know, it, again, it's not toxic masculinity, but men need to be more open and more willing to have conversations that might be a little bit harder for them to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think Devika uh, mentions it there, you know, conversations around abuse and stuff like that. A lot of people do treat them as a taboo subject, you know. I mean, if you're going to talk about anything, that is, I can't think of anything more personal, intimate and harrowing that you could possibly discuss. And to provide a platform, a safe platform where people can, you know, share stories and 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 build on each other and build each other up is is a phenomenally simplistic yet beautiful idea. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, the, the the link with 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 guys and mental health and and women and abuse, I think. Um, it's it's a hard subject to talk about. It's a hard subject to to be a hundred percent correct well, on. But the, the flip that, side of this, right, is that if, if if this is happening to women in our immediate families, sure. it means that perpetrators are our friends and our immediate family. Yeah, yep. I mean that's what she said, right? Uh, that the the story between um, her and her co-founder, or or someone on her co-founder, that yeah. the partners actually knew each other, right? It's almost like there seems to be yeah. this male click. Uh, I mean, look, uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, blow anyone's trumpet or, or big myself up, but I, I, I can't understand the exact psyche of someone that abuses someone other than that they've been abused themselves. I can, I can begin to understand that, but. It's worrying. It's, I mean, it's beyond worrying. That, that that is an understatement. That you know, this is going on. It goes on, and it's only getting kind of worse due to the the yeah. lockdown restrictions that we're we're seeing. And yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a good thing that you know, I am Arla and, and platforms like this exist because I think I I, I haven't been to therapy. I haven't done a therapy session before, but I would imagine it would be 
really hard to do it virtually, really hard to do it over the phone. So, you know, at the moment, if you're not get, getting the chance to speak to your therapist or speak to a therapist, then something like this could be as cathartic, as helpful, as improving on your own mental well-being as seeing a therapist because as Davika says you know the minute you share something like this it almost feels like a weight is lifted and mm-hmm. I mean I'll give you an example I mean it's I, I, I don't mean to be funny about this at all because it's a very serious subject but Rosie and I are actually watching or re-watching Desperate Housewives and there's the whole story arc with um, Gabby Ava Longoria's character who was a, abused as a as a teenager and then you know the the stepfather returns and it's crazy. I mean, this is a fictitious show, but you think of a character like her being this like incredibly wicked, smart, fast tongued, like superbly high regarded person in her society, fiction albeit, but then, you know, she was a victim of abuse as well. And it's, it's, it shows like that and, and platforms like this that make it easier for people to talk about it. You know, it's highlighting it and putting it in everyone's face then allows us to, bring our guards down i guess and feel more confident about sharing stuff like yeah yeah no uh, uh, absolutely and you know to that point that that devika was making about um their instagram influencers who oh, you yeah. know we, we've spoken about this a million times but you know outwardly the perfect life but realistically we all know that that's a veneer that's that's not true yep. um yep. but good on someone who has a follow because let's face it followings are built and can be destroyed probably pretty quickly but has realized they have an audience and realize they have an audience of young impressionable women who they can really reach and help yeah and has decided to do that it's brave and it's it, it should be commended and that, that actually shows the good side of how social can be used to reach people yeah, and not enough people do that. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needs to come to the foray with their own personal experiences of abuse, but the more influencers, the more celebrities, the more iconic figures or whatever that come forward and don't just support this. Because I think, you know, it's kind of like celebrities endorsing and supporting stuff we're all sick and tired of. But if they're actually sharing personal experiences, then, you know, it humanizes them and it, it makes us understand and encourage us more to to, to speak up and, and talk about it. Well, you know, it's it's the whole authentic thing, isn't it? Like yep. when people now say after, after something tra- tragic has happened, you know, please spare us the thoughts and prayers, you know, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, and actually do something that matters or make a difference to someone's life. Like let's not, let's not just say the things that we should yep. be saying, do something about it, help Dave, put yourself out there. You've got to watch uh, on Netflix, uh, a stand-up comedian called Anthony Jesselnik. He's like, I'd say he's kind of like the American Frankie Boyle, if I were to compare him to anyone. Anyway, he does, he does a whole routine on, you know, the motif behind thoughts and prayers when people tweet it. Uh, and it's basically just saying, remember me amidst this tragedy. I'm here thinking about the tragedy. Thoughts and prayers with the victims. Think of me. It's so sharp and so funny. And it's so true, you know, how baseless is that to just tweet out thoughts and prayers, you know? Yeah. It's like me saying, I mean, I won't get into a whole religious thing over it, but yeah, it's just a, it's a baseless thing to do. Well, look, um, not to boast, but we have quite a few listeners these days. Um, so there's a good chance unfortunately given the statistics that some of you listening this might really have struck a chord with um if that is the case go check out iamala join their community and and see if there are people there that that might be worth talking to and that can help um 
I think of all of all the guests that we've had in recently where we can kind of direct you to actively get involved, then this is one that I would absolutely say do so. Uh, Devika, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for forgiving me for screwing up your name twice. Uh, very embarrassing. <laughs> Not the first time and it won't be the last. I did it. The awful, awful thing was it was in front of a room of like 500 women-ish, you know, kind of about that kind of number. And it was just, oh, God, swallow me up. I'm, I'm such a cretin. Anyway, uh, moving on to our advert break. When we come back, we'll have a little bit of technology news. My fa- oh, that's like asking my favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite podcast? Uh, I think Football Ramble. House of Rugby. Um, Billy Yang's um, podcast. Freakonomics. Um, is Science Versus, and they're always very quirky. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I listen to that a lot just because the camaraderie and the individuals. Your Cast is a brand new podcast series where we talk to people making podcasts. On this show, you're going to hear some exciting new talents as well as some of the biggest names in the podcasting industry. We're releasing weekly in all the places where you'd normally get your podcasts from. Right, technology news. Kind of technology news. This is more mm. consumer news, I'll, I'll be honest. I know we don't normally do consumer... Well, to be perfectly yes. honest, this, this is kind of freeform, this bit of the show. Let's, let's, let's be straightforward. Um, I was on The Guardian, shock, this morning. and. What? I know. And they had a review for the Forerunner watch, the Garmin Forerunner 245, I think. Let me just double check this, Uh, which I found quite interesting because it was the first time that the Garmin Forerunner 245, um, it was the first time I've ever noticed the Guardian review a running watch. Right. Okay. Which kind of said to me, in lockdown, running has become like it's obvious that you go out on the streets and there are more people running, which is great. But it's yeah. obviously reached this kind of zeitgeist thing uh, where even now right. newspapers are going, all right, let's, you know, instead of reviewing a smartphone, let's review a running watch. Okay. And, you know, Garmin 4245 music review, a runner's best friend. Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, Jack, my question to you is what piece of consumer tech? that maybe you weren't using three months ago is suddenly something that actually is really quite useful in your life. I will start by saying uh, I think I'm probably fitter than ever because of the amount of running I'm doing now uh, in comparison to earlier in the year. However, my consumer tech, uh, favourite piece of consumer tech, it's regressed me back to uh, the 14-year-old spotty teenage boy I once was, you know, the the lowly virgin sitting in his room in Wivenhoe with, uh, with with his friends virtually placed. Uh, and I mean, of course, the Xbox. Um, so me and my friends have all been playing Call of Duty Warzone, which is kind of like Fortnite Battle Royale. You know, you all land onto this island and, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you got to kill everyone else and beat the gas and, uh, and win. So it's like a 150 to one kind of game. And a, it's a really well done game. The graphics are phenomenal. The gameplay is brilliant. B, it's brought me closer to my friends who I hadn't spoken to before lockdown, um, and I'm now speaking to them. You know, every other day it seems. Um, and C, it's and this is a weird reason why I love it. But I get so stressed out by this game that any other kind of issue in my life is just gone for that <laughs> moment. You know, I'm just so warped and besotted in this virtual environment for about three hours a day that i can be sitting there and my puppy is literally biting my legs and i'm like just get away i need to finish this so yeah that would be it dave um, i'm not sure that's overly healthy but okay. no it's not it's not it's i've gone the total opposite way of it but do you know what like i said it's 
it's helping me maintain my relationship with my pals and some that I hadn't spoken to for a good handful of years as well. Um, And it is done in conjunction with, yeah, me going out and doing more runs and and being healthier. But yeah, that that would be it, I'm afraid. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, I I will stick on trend with the article. Um, I got, at Christmas this year, I got a Garmin. Uh, which has come into its own because of running, etc. One thing I would say is that so the article in the Guardian is all about the Garmin Forerunner two forty five, which costs two hundred and forty nine or two hundred and ninety nine, depending on the model. Not cheap. I have the Garmin Runner Forerunner forty five, which costs one hundred and sixty nine. Still not cheap, but considerably cheaper. Mm. Does everything you need it to do. Don't go out and spend nearly, you know, two hundred and fifty quid. Spend a little bit less. Does just how many? How many, I think I get three or four notifications a week on new people I know joining Strava as well. I guess you must be seeing similar kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is great. Like Strava's a fantastic, I don't have the, the premium version or whatever, just the free version. It's a fantastic app. It really is. Oh, look, you know, the, the, to be perfectly frank, if you're going out running, you don't, and, and you're just doing it as an occasional runner, you don't need yeah. a super smartwatch to do it i yeah. did it because i was I, I wanted to track gps and i was going on increasingly longer runs and it kind of drains your phone battery but if you're going out for a 5 or a 10k run on a semi-regular basis mm. Mm. free yeah absolutely free strava on your phone on the yep. app use use that you don't need to go out and Perfect. spend bugger loads of money and the one, the one thing i will say about this um this pandemic is it's shown that actually you don't I know I've just spent over 100 quid on roller skates, but you don't need to go out and spend stuff. <laughs> Actually, we don't need all of this stuff cluttering our lives quite as much, do we? But anyway, we thought we'd talk about consumer tech. <laughs> Absolutely. Tie myself in contradiction after contradiction. <laughs> Jack, thanks for joining us today. Anytime. And uh, everyone, have a lovely weekend. I've had a look at the forecast. It's set to continue. It's going to be beautiful weather. Go and enjoy it. Socially distanced enjoying of it. Though, oh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, unless you're Dominic Cummings, uh, then ah, you know, do, do what you like. I've got a new name <laughs> for him. I've got a new name for him, haven't I? What? Come Dog Millionaire. <laughs> and with that, goodbye. <laughs>